Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. the old guy said, well, sing and shout, whoopee. <laughs> it's going to be a glorious day, right? Uh, when we all get to heaven. So we got to make it there first, right? And we're going to be back in the book of 1 John today. And we remember the book of John is, is about the fact that he says, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. So the book of John John wrote that, and he says he wrote that so that we might trust in Jesus Christ. He said, these things were written that you may know that Jesus, believe that Jesus is the Christ, and believe that you might have life in his name. But John then writes the book of 1 John because there were all these problems in the church that the people were teaching all kinds of weird things, and they just like a lot of churches do today. You know, they teach you can get to heaven and do any way you want to, Right? All religions get there or whatever, and, and that's not true. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by him. No one means no one, right? And so many people, just as these Gnostics, these people said, well, they had this special knowledge. And because they had this special knowledge, they were going to make it to heaven. And they believed that Jesus wasn't God on the cross and all kinds of weird things. And some of them said, well, it didn't matter what you did because the flesh was evil and spirit was good. So it didn't matter. You can live any way you want to and go to heaven. And that's not true. And so others said, well, you have to beat the body into subjection and you can't let it have any fun whatsoever. You can't enjoy anything. Now we know which one was most popular, right? To feel good. <laughs> if it feels good, do it crowd, right? But, you know, that's not how you get to heaven. There's nothing we can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. But Galatians says if, the, if you could get there by the law, Christ died in vain. Nothing can get you there but Jesus Christ. And so John says he wants us to know the things that they saw and the things they heard and the, thing, the, the person they handled and, and the word of life that was Jesus, right? And he wants them to know this fellowship was with them and then with the Father and with his Son. And then he says that our joy may be made complete. And so he goes on and he gives all these tests. There's the test of obedience. And do you obey God? And that's what the Bible says. If you're truly a Christian, 
You don't obey God to get to heaven, but you obey God because you are going to heaven. And I've told y'all before that if you love somebody, what do you do? You want to please them, right? Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say do? And then he also gives these tests of believing the right Jesus, right? It's Jesus is the one who was born of a virgin, and he lived in human flesh, and he died, was buried, rose again. And he says, if you don't believe that, Jesus, you're not going to make it to heaven. And then he gives us the test of love. And we're, we kind of been talking about that. And he keeps cycling back through these tests. And some of these people are saying they're going to heaven. And they, they say it, but their lives don't match up with what they say. Like I said the other day, I was talking to some guys. And I said, if, if you told me you were a helicopter pilot and, and I put you in the helicopter and you said, I can't fly it, then then I'm not going to believe you're a helicopter pilot, right? Same thing with these people. They say they're Christians, but they live like the devil. And when you live like the devil and say you're a Christian, I have a really hard time believing that. And the Bible says that you're just not one, that you call God a liar. And so we keep going through these cycles of obedience and knowing who the real Jesus is, believing the right things. And then the test of love, that do we love the brethren? Do we love God? Do we love the brethren? And what somebody said one time, oh, to dwell with saints above, that will be glory, he said, but to live below with the saints we know, oh, that's another story, <laughs> you know. But that's the test, right? Do we love the brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we love everybody with the love that Jesus had for us? Because the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave, right? And so we're to have the same love as Jesus had. And so we talked the last time, we talked about, about that love and we talked about obedience and, and we talked about those things. And so here today, we're gonna kind of jump back into chapter four, 1 John chapter four, starting in verse 13. And I'll back up to verse 12 just to read that a little bit. And I'm going to read about four verses, five verses here, and then we'll see how far we get. But what John's going to begin to tell us here, he's going to tell us that, that our love, that others see God through us and also love cast out fear. So those are two things we need to see today. So he says, no one has seen God at any time. That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected or matured in us. And then he goes on and says, this is really where we want to start. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And notice he uses that word abides a lot here in this particular section but it really means to re, be, remain in God, to, to be steadfast in your belief and your faith. But it also can mean that you have this deep, intimate relationship with God, right? And that's that word, no. And he says here, 
He says, by this, by what? We know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We've talked about that before, that he says that God gave us his Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion, the moment we trusted Jesus Christ, God gave us his Holy Spirit. And he's not just saying he gave us the Holy Spirit, but what he's telling us, is he gave us of his Holy Spirit. And in, first, and in Romans 5, 5, I think I mentioned this last time, that Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Some people say, well, everybody loves. And I think I told y'all this last time that if you don't know God, you don't really understand what love is. You really don't have the love that God has. You don't know what that is and you're not capable of that kind of love. And I never understood that. I guess it's probably, I don't know how many years ago, the guy was teaching a class that day and he said that. And I never really thought about it that way. But when you think about it, what, you, what we're trying to say here is that God puts a special love in our hearts, right? What did Jesus say by this? By, by your love for one another, all men will know that you are my disciples. And then he says that this is love, that we, that we love the brethren and we lay down our lives for the brothers. And he's talking about this sacrificial love, right? The kind of love that the world doesn't have. Remember, the world's love is what? What have you done for me lately, right? Or if you are making me happy right now, or you're making me pleasing me, or, 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 or I'm happy with you because of what you're doing for me, or whatever, I love you. You know, and, and sometimes wives say, well, I fell out of love with my husband, or husbands say, I fell out of love with my wife. Well, that's not the kind of love we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of love that loves somebody no matter who they are, no matter where they're at, and no matter what their circumstances are in life. And that includes the people that don't look like us and act like us, right? <laughs> Think about that. That's the kind of love that Jesus had. Where did Jesus go when he came to earth? He went to the downtrodden, to the lepers, to the lame, to the blind, to the places that most people didn't go, right? And a lot of people, I was listening to this guy earlier talk about this, and he says, the love that says I love everybody that's like me is a selfish kind of love because you can deal with people that like what you like and do what you do and want what you want, but what happens when these people are totally opposite you? What happens when these people are different from you and I? What if they are people that come from the, the, what we consider the low parts of society? Maybe street people or they've got a criminal past or whatever it is. Do we still love these people? Those are the people that Jesus loved anyway, right? And that's the kind of people we're supposed to be. That's the kind of love we're supposed to have. We're to have the kind of love that he has because you know what? He's going to tell us down here in a minute that God is love, right? Only reason we're able to love is because of him. Can you love the people who mistreat you and abuse you and talk badly about you? Seems like I've been getting a big lesson in this lately here lately. 
It's just like all these people are like doing things that it's like all these relationships are just like going crazy. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Everything is just topsy-turvy, you know. And you got to learn to love people no matter what they do. I tried to apologize to somebody yesterday because they basically uh, talked to me and my wife in a way that was not really pleasing. And this was a Christian person. They came to my house and basically kind of in a way attacked us about some of the things that we were doing, some decisions we were making. But we knew what we were doing and we felt led of the Lord to do that. And so I kind of just apologized through the online media and said, I apologize for what I did. I reacted wrongly, but what you did and the way you did it was wrong. And they said, thank you for your apology. I accept it and forgive you. I have forgiven you already. Was there any mention of their wanting forgiveness? No. There was no mention that, no, I did wrong too. I'm sorry. And I'm like, well, there you have it. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that we have to love people no matter what. No matter what they do. No matter how they act. Because God loves us even when we're not lovely, right? And all of us are not perfect. We don't always do the things we're supposed to do. All of us can get in moods and have bad days and, and not talk to people correctly and all kinds of things. We have this Holy Spirit who was given to us. And He gives us and shows us how to love other people. Because we're not capable of loving people that, that are like that on our own, are we? People that lash out at you and mistreat you and talk bad about you, what's the, what's the natural tendency? To, to go right back at them, right? And to do what they're doing to you. And it's hard just to say, no, I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to care for them anyway. I'm going to treat them like God treated me when I wasn't being lovely. And so he goes on in verse 14 and he says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. In this section of Scripture, what John's doing is he's kind of where he introduced the book and he said, The things which you've heard, the things you've seen, the things which we've t testified of, that the word of life was there and we have fellowship with him and and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. And, and, and we want you to have fellowship with us that your joy may be complete. This is kind of the, the culmination of this whole thing because he's kind of getting to the climax of the whole book right here because he's talking about this love, this fellowship, this, this kind of getting together and this love that all comes together because without faith you cannot love the way God loves. And so when we trust Christ, we confess, uh, we see and testify that the Father sent the Son as Savior of the world. He didn't just die for some people, but He died for all people. He died for the sins of the whole world. The Bible says that, that Jesus, God so loved the world, right? And so He says here, He sent His Son as the Savior of the world. And Jesus has always been the Son. And he's the savior of the world. But not everybody trusts him. Not everybody believes in him. Not everybody hopes in him. 
But he says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Think about that. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And there's that abides in him and he in God and, and us in him and he in us. And it's all wrapped up because God lives in us. You know, think about this. When the world was created, what was going on? Adam and Eve were, walked, were in the garden, and it says that God walked in the garden with them, right? And they had this fellowship that was, that was intimate, and we don't know exactly how it was, but sin had not entered the world, right? But soon as sin entered the world, what happened? God couldn't have fellowship with man and woman the way he used to have. He had to begin to get this sacrificial system in place, which he had already knew he was going to do, but he sets up this sacrificial system of animals, which was a picture of what Jesus was going to do one day, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But what does he do? As time goes on, he, he comes back to the group of Jews, the Israelites, these people, and what does he do? He lives in a tabernacle. The glory of God lives in a tabernacle. And in some of the people like David and Saul and some of these kings and some of these people like Samson, the Spirit of God would come and it would dwell in them or come upon them and give them this power for leadership and doing the things that God wanted them to do, but he really didn't dwell in them, but he, but he dwelled among them. And then in the New Testament, Jesus does what? He walks among us again. He walks among people. But now once Jesus died and he goes to heaven and he said, when I go, I will send another one just like me, the Holy Spirit. And he will be your comforter. He will be the one who will be with you and he will be what? In you. And you know what? Colossians chapter one talks about that mystery. The hope of glory, Christ in you. That's the hope of glory is Christ in us. He is the down payment. He's the earnest. He's the, the, the thing that proves that we're Christians. He's the one that gives us the ability to live as Christians. And he's the one that, that gives us the power to do the things he wants us to do. And it's also the proof that we belong to him. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's God. And he says that when we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives inside of us and we in him do you know that we live in him and he's in us that's, a, that's crazy isn't it to think that God lives in us and we live in him but it's true go read the 17th chapter of John and he talks about I and him and they in us and we and them and, and that we may be one and, and it just keeps saying things like that over and over and over again and we are part of God and God is part of us. And he says that we have known, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. This is that experiential knowledge. We know because God sent his son and because we've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. You know, I was reading earlier because I wasn't sure, but in John chapter six, you know, all the disciples are leaving because they can't stand the hard things that Jesus is saying. And 
And Jesus says to the disciples, the 11 of them or 12 of them that were there, and Peter sticks up and he says, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. We have come to know and believe that you are the Christ. And he says the same thing in chapter uh, what is it? Chapter 16 or 17, excuse me. And he talks about it. 16, he says at the end, because Jesus says, I'm going and I'm leaving and I'm coming back again and, and, and you'll see me now, but then you don't see me. Then a little while you see me again. He was talking about dying on the cross and being buried and coming out of the grave and you'll see me again. And they didn't understand. And they said, what is this that he's saying? And, and Jesus says, he tells them these things and and he says, I've come from God and I'm going back to God. And you know what the disciples say? Now you speak it plainly. And now we know and believe that you are truly the Son of God. And this is the same thing. If we know Christ, we know and believe the love that God has for us because we've not only seen that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and and heard of it, but you know what? We've experienced that love. We've understood that love because it's not just something that's that's out there that we've heard of, but we know it and we believe it because we've experienced it. We felt that love. We've known that love because the moment you trust Christ, you know that God loves you. You know what he did for you. You know that you're a child of the king. And that you pass from darkness to light. That you've been conveyed or delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And so he says, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And so think about this. He says, God is love. Remember I said somewhere along the line and when we were talking about this book that the Bible says God is love, God is light, and God is spirit. Not he is a light or he has light or he has love or he is, has a spirit, but he is these things. That's his essential being, that God is a spirit, God is love, and God is light. And that light speaks of holiness and purity and righteousness. And then he goes on and he talks about this last part and he says, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. In other words, he says, love has been matured or completed in us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. One day there's coming a day of judgment for those that don't know Christ, right? There's a day of judgment for believers too. But you know what? We're not going to be judged for our sins, but we're going to be judged for what? The deeds that we did for him, right? Did we do them in the power of the Spirit? Did we do them for him and not to be seen and to heard and to get the, you know, everybody pat us on the back and say, oh, look at that guy. He's a really good guy, you know. He just, he's just so good. And, you know, that's what the Pharisee did. He said, oh, I thank God I'm not like other men, right? I've tithed, I fast, I do this, I don't do that. But he says, love has been matured and completed among us that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. In other words, we, we, before we were Christians, we feared the judgment, right? A lot of people that don't know the Lord, and sometimes Christians do, 
because they're not secure in their faith. But sometimes people, when they get close to death, they fear that death when they don't know the Lord because they don't know what's on the other side. But if we're Christians, we know what's on the other side. It's going to be, as one guy said, I forget who it was, maybe it was old Harry Ironside. They were, his, the, his wife had died. I, I don't know who it was, maybe Harry, but he said they were riding down the road in a car and, and a Big Mac truck passed by them and the shadow passed over them and they had just left the funeral. And the kids were crying and he was crying and he, he told the kids, he said, would you rather get hit by a truck or by the shadow of the truck? And the kids said, a shadow. And that's why the verse says in Psalm, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff comfort me. So we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear what's on the other side if we're believers. And he says, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he's loving and kind and generous, that's what we're supposed to be in this world. And he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. See, when we're afraid of the judgment or we're afraid of the things that happen, we're not trusting God, are we? We're not trusting in who he is and what he's done. And knowing that it's all going to be okay because of who he is. And so we don't have to fear. So if our love is complete and mature in him, we don't have to worry about the things that are coming, the things that are going to happen, the things that are on the other side of this life because we know that it's all going to be okay because Jesus is still on the throne, right? And he says, but he who has... He who fears has not been made perfect in love. In other words, I believe he's saying here that the person that fears either is not, doesn't know the love of God in a proper way or he's speaking as he's been speaking about people. He's trying to say some people are believers and some aren't. So the people that have that fear, it's because they have not been forgiven and saved. You know, I'm not saying that everybody does. I know my grandmother, right before she died, she needed some reassurance, you know. We had the pastor come talk to her, and my dad, when he was passing away, we had to, you know, I, I talked to him and made sure that he knew that he knew that he knew that he was going to heaven, you know, and got all that made that straight. And he said, I, you know, but because there was a little bit of fear. But if you really know the Lord, we shouldn't fear because... Those that don't know the Lord, those are the ones that should fear judgment because one day the Lord is going to judge all things. And then he says, we love him because he first loved us. The only reason we're able to love is because he showed us what love is. He showed us on the cross. He showed us through the Bible, through the word of God, through all the things he's done for us. If we're Christians, he's shown us who he is and how much he loves us. And we love him only because he first loved us. You know, that's a wonderful thing to know that he loved us. And he's demonstrated that to us by what he did on the cross, right? God so loved the world. God so loved. Think about what God did through Jesus 
who Jesus is God, but just think what all he went through when he was on that cross. He paid for the sins of everybody who's ever been born, ever has been born, ever will be born. And those three hours when it was dark and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's love. That he took our hell. He took our place. He took our sin. And our part is to say, oh God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me and save me because of what you did. And then we don't have to fear. And then we can be who he is and here on earth and love people and care for people and represent him and be his his representatives and show people what love is because we know what real love is because it paid for our sins and it died in our place because he did it right well let's pray father we thank you for this time we thank you for your word we thank you for these folks here today there happens to be just one here today that has never truly trusted Christ. It's not sure of their salvation today. Just, Lord, I pray that right now they would just cry out to you and say, oh, God, I'm a sinner. Save me. Because the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, with our whole being, that Jesus is God and that he died on the cross for our sins, was resurrected, Thou shalt be saved, for with the mouth you confess them to salvation, and with the heart you believe unto righteousness. Lord, I pray that somebody here today would confess Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And know that love, if it, that there's one here that doesn't know you. And for the rest of us, Lord, and maybe that's all of us, we want to thank you for who you are and what you've done. And we thank you that, that you loved us first. Because had you not loved us, Lord, we would have never loved you. But thank you for reaching out to us and loving us. And Lord, we love you and thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, I was thinking about the story about a homeless lady and she said that the lady kept telling her about Christ and telling her about Christ and she said that... Uh, Finally, the lady said, I don't want to know about God. I don't want to know about God. And finally, the lady leaned over and kissed her on the cheek and said, I love you. And I want to help you. And she said, at that point, the lady said, you know what? I want the Jesus that you know because that's love. I heard about that love, but now I see that love. And so that's what we're called to do. Amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, 
to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.